I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Monday, December 16, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY, or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. Let's reel the clock back a little bit. We'll do a 30,000-foot view, see what we have on the docket, and see what we can decipher going forward. Basically, we know this all. The market is at the highs. Again, we continue to make new highs. So in the midst of an uptrend, technically speaking, there's nothing wrong with this market. But then you say, hey, wait a minute. You said it's not going to go that much farther than a break of the old highs. Correct. We're not that much farther in the big scheme of things. We did discuss the fact that as markets get close to big fat round numbers, and we're at a big fat round number right now, we're at S&P 3200 ES 3200 SPX 31.91 on close today so we're basically at another big fat round number when that happens and we've discussed this before the big fat round numbers become magnetic to price or price is attracted to those numbers so that's basically in my opinion in my humble opinion what we're seeing take place now again I stand by the market's not going to get that much farther. Can the spider go up another couple of points? Sure it can. S&P 500 up another 20 or 30 handles? Of course it can. But right here, the market in terms of not only price, in terms of how extended we are, meaning the market is in that quote-unquote, and I'll explain this in a minute, overbought condition. Now, a market can stay in an overbought condition for a long period of time. So there's no measurement for overbought. That's why I'm not in love with that term. But it is, quote-unquote, overbought. You're going to run out of buyers pretty soon. Now, let's flip over and talk about time for a moment. And in terms of time, we're in a sweet spot right here, right now, meaning Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of this week, where we're basically running out of time. Now, if the market decides to continue going, continue pressing higher, can it go all the way through the end of the week? It can, which would put the market at another very critical point of time. Not trying to hedge my bet. I'm just being the umpire. And those traders that have taken the course will have a pretty good idea of why I'm specifying early in the week and late in the week in terms of important time. We have a couple of other things we need to contend with. In the short run, we have quadruple witching options expiration. What is that? That means that all asset classes are expiring, their options are expiring at the end of the week. When this takes place, and it's not a lock, we'll use the 80-20 rule 80% of the time under normal garden variety market conditions, we'll see some volatility this week. It won't be a straight line anywhere. What else do we have in front of us? We have seasonality. We have the quote-unquote Santa Claus rally. Did we have a Santa Claus rally? Are we in the middle of a Santa Claus rally? Will we have a pullback and another rally right around Christmas into the end of the year? Who knows? 
The Santa Claus rally is a fictional character made up by analysts who want to pin a rally around Christmas time to a Santa Claus rally. Does it begin yesterday? Does it begin the day after Christmas? Does it begin four days before Christmas? Who knows? There's no book or rule or indicator for a Santa Claus rally. Don't be surprised to see an indicator come out of the woodwork this week for some price like $79 for your Santa Claus rally indicator. Where are you going to get that? Well, you got to get it from Joe's Indicator Shop. Don't buy useless indicators. By the way, I know many of you are wondering, when the hell is he going to talk about that wick down to the gap left open from Friday's close? We're not going to spend too much time talking about it. What we're going to do is identify two things. First, was price actually down in that zone? Let's go find out. First, let's get a read on exactly what the price is at that low. 317 and a quarter. Here's an hourly chart. This is a very simple exercise. What's the low of the day? 31917. So we know price wasn't down there. We knew price wasn't down there before I went to the hourly chart. So what is that? It's shenanigans. Doesn't matter what you call it. What matters is what do you do with it? You can't do anything with it, but have an awareness. What's the awareness? Well, A lot of times you'll find out that at some point in the future, that tail candle will disappear. But we're going to remember that there was a tail candle down there to the gap left open from Friday's close. It's an awareness. If, for example, let's say during this week, we see price going in the southern direction. We're going to remember we saw a tail candle and shenanigans down in that price zone. We can't do anything other than that with that information it's an awareness keep it on a sticky note put it in the pile of weird stuff that happens from here what are we looking for in the spy the s p 500 the dow the Qs? it doesn't really matter what are we looking for we're looking for signs and a signal of a trend change we need something to trade against we don't have it yet once we get it we'll identify it and inside the numbers members will likely get notified of it during the day because we're likely to see an intraday reversal begin to unfold. Until and unless that happens, we have to have a keen understanding. The trend is up. We're into seasonality. Over the next couple of weeks, under normal garden variety market conditions, the volume in the market will dry up a little bit. The participation will dry up. People go on vacations. And guess what? Money managers, anybody that gets paid on performance, which is basically everybody in this business, they're having a blockbuster year. They don't want to shake the tree. They don't want to rock the boat. They want their bonus. Listen, here's a weekly chart. We have to remember what happened. The market really went down hard into the end of the year. This is right around Christmas. Then the market bounced up. However, think about how they're paid. They're paid, not everybody, but traditionally, a lot of money managers are paid on annual performance. What do you think their performance against their benchmark is in 2019? Now, it's a double-edged sword because if the S&P 500 significantly outperformed a money manager's portfolio, they may not make an expansive bonus. You're going to have both sides of the equation, but here's the net-net. They're having a good year. They don't want to rock the boat. It's unlikely to see the rug pulled out. 
Could we see a correction? Could we see a down day two or three? Of course. Should we be expecting a trap door? No. However, we have an awareness. There's always an awareness it can happen. We have to apply the 80-20 rule. Under normal garden variety conditions, 80% of the time, between now into the new year, you're unlikely to have a trap door. You had a trap door last year. Are you going to have two back-to-back? Again, it's unlikely. Under non-normal conditions, it would happen again. Could the market come down to test the breakout area? Sure it can. Where's the breakout area? 315 and a half. Why? Take the course and you'll find out. If we found the market down near that breakout area sooner than later, would it be garden variety support under normal conditions? And the answer is, using the 80-20 rule once again, yes. What's going on over in Camp IWM? Well, guess what? Camp IWM is my favorite market-leading indicator. And interestingly enough, and it's not a big deal, but it's something of a small puzzle piece we're going to put on the table. I'm noticing it. It's a puzzle piece. I've seen how these things unfold before. They start small. They all have to start somewhere. But we did have underperformance today in the IWM. Again, not by a lot, not by a noticeable amount at all. But there's something else I'm noticing as well. Why is it that the IWM made a high a couple of days ago on the 12th of December? The high was 165.10, and we haven't made a new high yet. When you compare and contrast that to the SPY, we've had consecutive highs. So something different is going on. You think it's of note and a puzzle piece that's on the table? You think? I'm in the collection business. I'm collecting information. Speaking of the collection business, I'm also collecting the VIX. How many times have I said, whenever the VIX gets below 12, that's an area where as long as you have time on your side, you're going to be okay. We haven't been wrong on that yet, so I don't expect to be wrong this time. But let's take a look at what the low was today in the VIX. $11.71. Why did it go down there? There was a gap. We've talked about the gap before, 11.75. Did anybody buy the VIX down there? I know the answer is yes because I got the emails. Is it going to rip right back in the northern direction? It doesn't have to. I don't know that it will or it won't. What I do know is it won't stay down below 12 for very long. Couple of weeks, even a month, okay, fine. I told you, you need time on your side. So with options out to, let's just say, March, April, May of 2020, you tuck them away, you sit on them, you take a look back when the VIX spikes up, and you sell them. Will the VIX spike up again? You bet your ass it will. What's going on over in the transportation department? We got a little bit of a bust through of the trend line. Here's an interesting one. Tried it on Thursday, failed. Tried it on Friday, closed below put in what I like to call a pseudo-doji candle, and today we gapped above it and closed above it. So under normal garden variety conditions, that has to be bullish against any other scenario. However, back below, and it would be more bearish than just never having got above it to begin with. We call that a recapture. Maybe the trend line just isn't important at all. We'll leave it up there for a while. Some are, some aren't. Some are followed for a while, and then all of a sudden they become unimportant. Maybe this one just became 
unimportant. Maybe it was important for two days and that was the end of it. So be it. That's an example of how as a trader, as an analyst, you have to be flexible. You have to be able to adjust with what the market is telling you. So let's just say I throw the trend line out the window. What's next in the northern direction? Well, I have something pretty obvious, something at least obvious to me that I talk about all the time, a breakdown candle high. We got there or almost got to the top, got in the vicinity of the high of the breakdown candle, and we were what? Rejected away from the breakdown candle high. What does that tell you today? At least for today, that breakdown candle high is important. So now we can say we're in between the breakdown candle high and this trend line. It's not giving us a definitive answer one way or the other. What you're seeing here is me analyze the chart, what's in front of me in real time. So you're what? Inside my head. Welcome to the party. Another takeaway or two from this type of scenario. We know when price is up near the top of the breakdown candle, it's an area that a trader could be short against the close above the high of the breakdown candle. So let's do something for a second. There's basically the top of the breakdown candle, 10,937. Let's do an exercise. You're an intraday trader. You're looking for a trade. The transports are on the move early in the day. Let's go take a look. Here's an hourly chart. So again, staying inside my head, what you're going to get is the thought process. Is this, was this a possible trade? What was the scenario as the day unfolded? I'm going to give you the Monday morning quarterback, but I'm going to give you the thought process as it would have unfolded in my mind. And some of you are going to say, well, yeah, but it's also after the fact. After I tell you my thought process, if you've been around a while, you're going to say, yeah, that's pretty consistent with what he would have said. Staying on the hourly chart for a moment, the market, in this case, the transports are breaking to the upside. We know where the top of the breakdown candle was or is. We've already put an identifier on the chart, but we're intraday now. We want to see if there's a trade to be had. So let's go down even to a shorter time frame, but let's get a picture, a snapshot of what's going on from the hourly chart, what's in my mind at the time. It's a breakout. It's going higher. I look to the left. What do we have? I see the 10,937. I know that's the top, but right above that, I see a gap. So my first thought would be, they're probably going to go fill the gap. That's the spot. Am I likely going to want to get in front of the transports, meaning on the short side, before they hit the gap? Under normal garden variety conditions, no, I wouldn't. Not with the gap window so close to the gap. Now, if it was multiple points away, that would be a different story. What's a gap window? It's the area, for example, at the top of this candle in between the gap and where the next day began. So immediately early in the morning, I'm looking at the gap and I would have adjusted my trend line up to the gap to want to know when price gets to the gap. Let's go look at a different time frame. In this case, using a 15 minute chart, you see the very strong move right out of the gate. The market's moving higher. Again, you don't want to step in front of a freight train. I have a number. If the market hits my number, I'll consider a trade based on how it hit it, when it hit it. I'll use all the tools that I'm taught from the Lazy E-Mini Trader course to identify whether or not there's a short trade on the board, but when it hits the number. Why is this? 
because I only want to take the highest probability trades I can find. If the transports don't hit the number I've identified, I don't want the trade. It's that simple. I'll find something else. There's always another trade, what? Around the corner. So when I just take it down to the simplest form, if I'm looking at this around 10.45 in the morning, 11 o'clock in the morning, 10.30 in the morning, am I in a trade here? No, I'm waiting for this to come to my price. If it doesn't come to my price, I leave it alone. I could be looking at the IYT, which is the exchange-traded fund that tracks the transports. So there's an ETF for this. This could be a stock. It doesn't have to be the transports. It's the concept of my thought process and what I was seeing and why I made the decision or would have made the decision that I would have made. And guess what? All that right in a little tight package is valuable information. I don't care if you've been trading for five minutes or five years. That's valuable information. What's going on out in Silicon Valley, the queues, anything wrong with the queues? Absolutely not. There's nothing we can say other than it's just powering forward. At some point, it will put in a sign and signal of a trend change, and at that point, we'll have something to discuss. Until and unless that happens, and here's an hourly chart, for example, unless we get below today's opening range low, opening range low is 208.48, same rule applies for the SPY. We didn't discuss it on the hourly chart, but the same rule applies until unless you get below today's opening range low. Right now, this is a bullish pattern, a bull flaggish pattern that's setting up for what? Another move higher. Again, this will peter out, but you can't guess. You have to let the market just tell you, hey, over here, I'm done. Until you see that, you just let it go. Here's a frustrating thing for a lot of traders. What happens if you're looking for a trade intraday, you're looking for that morning trade, there's always one of those juicy morning trades. You don't want to miss the juicy morning trade. When the market gaps up like this, the spiders are gapping up, the queues are gapping up, a lot of stocks aren't really moving anything worth a standout or obvious trade, or are there? Of course there are, and I know that was a cheap setup to look at stocks on the move, but so what? It's my video. You know, I like to have fun. So there were two stocks that actually hit their price targets or entry points today. You see them on the board in the middle, IFF and SPR. We're going to take a look at the chart of both of them, and we're going to actually learn something different from each of them. What about the commentary during the day today? We're going to leave it out, A, in the interest of time, and B, there was nothing going on. It was a gap and go Once the market gaps up in the morning and it doesn't really get very far, there's not a lot you can do. Did I tell everybody we were going to get to the big fat round number of 3,200? Of course I did. Just take my word for it. Or if you really want to see what was going on, I'll run through it real fast. Those were the pre-market morning notes. And then we have what we have during the day. But really, since the activity dried up during the day, there's not a lot I can say when the activity dries up during the day. You get what you get and you don't get upset. Sometimes the market is absolutely like a box of chocolate. So here's a 60-minute chart of IFF. Boy, does that look ugly. Why would he want to show a chart like that? I'll tell you why. Because it's a learning opportunity. This was a no-trade 
twice. Here's a five-minute chart. Let me explain this. This is really targeted at existing Inside the Numbers members because it only applies if you're having this conversation against a specific number. So the number was 12401. That was entry target one, then entry target two, slightly lower, 122.28. Now, why was it a no trade both times? Look what the low was here, 124.50, 49 cents away on a $125 stock. It's too close. When you reduce that down, for example, and just take one-tenth of the whole thing, if it was a $12.5 stock and price came within four or five cents and bounced away, would you want it on the second go-around? And the answer is, no, you wouldn't. Sometimes it'll work. Some traders aggressively will take the trade, but if you're running this as a business, you wouldn't take the trade, especially because it bounced up about $2. The high here is over $126, over $2 away from what would have been the entry point. That's what we're looking for. Like it to keep going, but that's the type of scalp trade that can turn into a longer-term day trade. That's the morning trade we're looking for. So they gave it to us with having the wrong number. It went to somebody else's number. Maybe they just came up short of my number. Either way, it was my number that I was willing to take the trade at, and they didn't get there, so I don't want it on the second go-around. Same routine happened at the lower number. So this one was a no trade two times over. It was, quote-unquote, a piece of crap. How about the other side of piece of crap? 180 degrees in the other direction. SPR was a rocket ride. Number on the board long before the market opened for trading was 75.55. Low of day, 75.30. Rocket ride immediately. No pain, no red on the screen, no nothing except a rocket ride. We do this over and over and over again. The stock was at 79 today from a 75 and a half entry. Really? Who does that over and over and over again? Inside the numbers members do that. Again, I gave myself a layup. All right, getting the ball back to the pitcher. We're going to cover the financials. Anything wrong with the market if the financials are not going down? The answer is no. If they do go down, different story. But right now, the financials, like everything else, are just in an uptrend. Nothing wrong with this market. Nothing wrong with the chart. We are at a critical price. We talked about it last week, but it won't really become uber important until the year closes out. So we'll wait to look at it further. The SMH, which tracks the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, any problems here? No. Over 1% higher today. Again, good leading indicator of the tech space. Nothing to see here other than overbought. What's the measurement for overbought or how overbought can it get? Well, A, there is no measurement for overbought in terms of an indicator. However, there are other ways to measure how overbought or extended a market can get. And guess what? They're defying most of those measurements in the SMH. So what do you do? Nothing. You let it go if and when, not if, but when it puts in a sign and or signal of a trend change will be on top of it. Until then, there's really nothing to see here. Certainly not from a I run a business perspective. And with that, folks, 
It's about that time where I thank each and every one of you and tell you how much I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.